Welcome to episode 29 of the Fire Safety Matters podcast, where we bring you the latest news, views and opinion from across the UK's dedicated fire industry. My name is Brian Sims and I'm the editor of Fire Safety Matters magazine. We're delighted that this podcast is sponsored by the Fire Safety Event, which runs at the NEC in Birmingham on the 25th, 26th and 27th of April 2023. Fire Safety Matters is once again serving as the lead media partner for the exhibition. To register for the show, visit www.firesafetyevent.com. As always, I'm joined on the Fire Safety Matters podcast by my colleague Mark Sennett, the CEO at Western Business Media. Morning, Mark. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, Brian. How are things with you? Yes, I'm very good, thanks, Mark. Enjoyed a relaxing Christmas break, and we're straight back into work now, of course, though, with the first uh, Fire Safety Matters e-news bulletin of the new year and also commissioning for the March print edition at the moment. Yeah, I would say I had a mixed bag over Christmas. One good football result, one not so good football result for Oxford United. And as we sit here, as you know very well, uh, I'm eagerly anticipating Arsenal's visit to Oxford uh, tonight on TV. So probably just want to get the podcast out of the way before that, because either they'll be in a good mood, but definitely hoarse by the end of today, Brian, I'd imagine. So, yeah. As always, we start off with the news, but before we do that, just a reminder, everyone, you don't have to wait for the podcast to get all the latest news in the sector. You can go to our website. Now, if you can't remember the URL, don't worry, it's fsmatters.com, but just throw into any search engine, Fire Safety Matters, and up we pop. And the website's worth going to for many reasons, not just the latest news, prosecutions, products, and services, they're there every day, but you can sign up to our weekly newsletter, which more than 50,000 of your industry colleagues get. You can also sign up to get the magazine for free, including the new FIA guide. So you can register to get the magazine for free in digital print formats. You look at our upcoming webinars. You can re-watch all of our past webinars at absolutely no cost at all. You can watch our digital conference at no cost at all on there as well. So there's a plethora of content that you can go to and you can of course follow us on social media as well and all of our social channels are on the website so either go to fsmatters.com or just put into a search box fire safety matters but brian as i said we start with the news and i think it's definitely your turn to start this time so what's your first news story Yes, Mark. Uh, more building owners will be held to account for fire safety repairs at high-rise properties thanks to an expansion in council enforcement teams. Backed by more than £8 million in central government funding, the local enforcement units will benefit from greater resources to pursue those freeholders who are dragging their heels and refusing to begin repairs, Mark. Councils have already begun a crackdown through their own teams, but with extra support on offer, they will now be able to provide more leaseholders with a safe and secure home. This funding made available by the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities will be split among 59 councils in England, in fact, and prioritised for those with the highest number of unsafe buildings. There will be a particularly keen focus mark in London, Manchester and Birmingham. Now, Lee Rowley, the Minister for Building Safety, has commented, building owners must ensure the essential cladding repairs are enacted as quickly as possible and will be relentless in pursuing those who do not observe this desire. We are bolstering council enforcement operations such that they're better equipped to make the most of the powers they have to hold freeholders to account and prevent the latter from dragging their heels. I very much look forward to working with councils on keeping up the pressure on freeholders. Uh, Councillor Dora Dixon File, the Cabinet Member for Community Safety at Southwark Council, Mark, in London, has informed Fire Safety Matters, we've been taking enforcement action against private residential building owners who haven't completed necessary cladding work for some years now. This is part of our thorough fire safety measures that look to keep people safe. However, we have far more high-rise buildings than many other London boroughs. That being the case, this new funding will support a much-needed expansion of our work. The Building Safety Act 2022, of course, Mark, makes it clear that building owners must fix their own buildings and the developers are the first in line to pay to protect leaseholders from repair bills. 
Additional funding from government will help to ensure freeholders cannot escape their responsibilities. So a major story this one, Mark. What are your perspectives on this one? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to me to see a uh, Southwark perspective because I lived there for a while during my uh, university days and I'm very, very familiar with the area. Um, I've got some more to to add to this story, but I would say it feels like the government's starting to really take this seriously now. We're into the enforcement stage, Brian, more than anything else. We've talked about this topic for a long while. Funding's been there, but it really is a stage now where it seems like they're beefing up uh, enforcement, as they should do. But I've got a bit more to add to it, if you don't mind. So more than 45 of the UK's biggest help builders have pledged to do the right thing and agreed to fund work to fix life-critical fire safety-related defects on buildings of 11 metres and above, in which they had a role in developing or refurbishing over the last 30 years, and including those who have applied for or received government funding. Where a developer cannot be identified or has not yet agreed to pay for its own buildings, the £4.5 billion building safety fund is available to pay for work to address life-critical fire safety issues for those buildings of 18 metres or taller in height with cladding. For eligible buildings of 11 to 18 metres in height in this situation, a new scheme funded by developers through the building safety level will pay to address life safety fire risk rated issues. This is to be rolled out next year following a pilot that has launched last month. So if you want to see all of the story and more about this story, you just need to go to our website, the fsmatters.com, as I said, put into a search engine, Fire Safety Matters. And in our own search box on our website, you, you can enter the title, Enforcement Teams Bolstered to Hasten Cladding Replacement Projects. Or if you want a shorter version of that, I'd probably Google Hasten Cladding Replacement Projects. But I want to move on to first new story for me, Brian, at this point. And this is to do with CE marking. So the government extends CE mark recognition period for construction products. So another big topic, we've covered this before, something I know the FIA have had strong views on over the time as well. And the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities has outlined the government's intention to end recognition of the CE mark for placing products, among them fire safety systems, on Great Britain's construction market on the 30th of June, 2025. Current rules, which allow for the continued recognition of the mark, will remain in place until legislation is laid to end that recognition. The government tabled legislation in March 2019, which came into effect on the 1st of January 2021, so last year, in order to make arrangements for the regulation of construction products following Brexit. Since then, the government has made further changes to take into account the effect of the withdrawal agreement in addition to the Northern Ireland Protocol, those changes came into effect on the 1st of January last year. The changes which were made in March 2019 now apply in England, Wales and Scotland only. The regime in Northern Ireland matches the European Union's requirements for construction products. To affix the UK marking, businesses must comply with all relevant requirements under the Construction Products Regulations 2011 as retained in UK law. Until the 30th of June 2025, products can continue to be supplied to the Great Britain construction products market without any need for reassessment or remarking if the European Union requirements are met, including CE marking. So 
This one's been rumbling on for a while, Brian. I think most people kind of expected uh, UKCA to have uh, come in and moved out C-marking, but we now have the definitive date, of course, 30th of June 2025. Uh, and obviously, more changes happened last year. So it feels like a very slow walk into this process post-Brexit. And this was something that a lot of people were worried about when Brexit came about, Brian, was what would it mean for compliance of whether it be PPE products or in our sense in this in this podcast, fire rated products. And um yeah, perhaps those concerns were well founded considering how long it's taking to, to, to make these changes. But I think you've got some more to add to this, haven't you, Brian? I do indeed, Mark. When it comes to affixing a CE, Mark, any third-party conformity assessment must continue to be carried out by a European Union-recognised notified body during this time. In addition, products that meet the Northern Ireland rules, including for CE marking or CE UK brackets NI marking, can be supplied to the Great Britain construction market. The government is now signposting that these businesses should prepare for these provisions to end on 30th of June 2025. Products that bear the UK mark must meet UK requirements, including that third-party assessments have been carried out by a UK-approved body. In order to use the UK mark, also known as the UKCA mark, businesses must ensure they are using a UK-approved body for testing and certification for all products supplied to the Great Britain construction market, which are covered by a designated standard or conform to a UK technical assessment issued for that product. Approved bodies are able to undertake conformity assessment activity for UK designated standards, where an approved body has undertaken the assessment, the manufacturer or indeed their authorised representative must affix the UK marking. Rules around affixing the UK marking are broadly equivalent to current CE marking, but conformity assessment must be undertaken by a UK approved body. If our readers want to access more detail on this news, they can go online and do so by accessing gov.uk. So back to you now, Mark, so you can introduce this month's special guest. Yes, indeed. And uh, I sat down with someone I've known quite a while. I'm probably about five or six years. I've known Andrew Cooper, who's uh, Managing Director of Global HSE Solutions and Global Technical Services. Uh, I sit down with Andrew. We talked about a number of things, including the Golden Thread. And he's had a really busy 12 months has gone and got an even busier 12 months is coming. So I thought it was a really good opportunity to introduce our listeners uh, to Global HG Solutions. So I sat down with Andrew earlier and here's what he had to say. Morning, Andrew. How are you? Morning, Mark. Nice to hear from you again. Very well, thank you. Yeah, great to hear from you. And, you know, we've known each other a long time. And, you know, I, I'm very familiar with Global HSE and everything, but I thought this would be a good opportunity to really introduce you to our audience on, on the podcast. So for people that aren't familiar with your organisation, can you tell us a bit more about Global, please? Yeah, so, Mark, there's, um, there's actually three Globals, what we call Global Group, then, which consists of Global Fire Systems, which is based out of Nottingham and Canary Wharf in London. So they design and install fire alarm systems on a national basis for large multi-operator clients. There's then Global HC Solutions, which is the, the business that I'm MD of, and Global Technical Services. Global HC Solutions employs about 300 people. We undertake contracting in relation to fire door remediation, fire door replacement, we manufacture doors under the BM Trader Q-Mark scheme, which are for social housing and flat entrance doors. And we also 
undertake passive fire protection. Um, again, on mainly for multi-site operators on a national basis, and we also have a very small damper division where we inspect and maintain fire dampers on a national basis as well. The GTS part of the business is headed up by Ross O'Loughlin, uh, and that consists of 23 people, uh, mainly fire engineers and building engineers and surveyors. Um, they undertake fire assessment work is the backbone of sort of what we're doing that in that division. Um, we undertake PAS 9980 assessments, external wall assessments and EWS1 forms, and then we'll do higher-end uh, fire engineering work, fire strategies, um, smoke calculations, um, fire strategy reviews, latent defect surveys, acquisition surveys, that more high-end fire engineering technical support. So let's talk about, you know, it's been, I know from talking to you off air, it's been a busy 12 months for you. What new projects have you been working on in the past year? So the last 12 months have gone very, very well. In fact, we've had over 30% growth across both of Global HC Solutions and Global Technical Services. Um, on the contracting side, we've seen significant shift back towards predominantly passive works um, and remediation on existing structures, potentially global work, mostly on um, latent defect and um, Sort of legacy projects, I suppose we would say, in relation to sleeping risk, so that's social housing, hotels, um, hospitals, um, quite a bit of healthcare work. Um, that has grown by about 30% in the last sort of 12 months. On the GTS side, we've seen significant shift in focus. And actually, the, some good news, I suppose, in that we've seen a, a, an awakening, a, a raising of awareness in relation to um, reaper stations and gateways. Uh, that's been very beneficial to us within GTS on the consultancy side. So we've seen an expansion of our fire scrutineer services, which mirrors the Reba stages, um, an expansion of a requirement for obviously PAS 19980 and EWS1 forms has grown significantly. But also more interestingly, this um, awareness in relation to fire strategy development in line with Reba stage 2 and Reba stage 4. Um, that's been quite refreshing and we've seen a tone in, a change in tone in language, I suppose, from tier one contractors and that awareness level seems to have increased significantly within certain clients that we've got. Uh, we've also seen a significant demand for retrospective fire strategies on existing structures, which is a challenge in itself. Uh, but overall, it's been a very good year and we um, look to recruit in the new year and expand into 2023. Well, let's talk about the next 12 months ahead you know so as as we publish this it's in the new year and and that's what i want to talk about what is your plan for this year and onwards what have you got in the pipeline um, well we've got again we've got significant orders that will take us actually through to 2025 26 um the growth rate will continue with the business within both of those two divisions that i've just mentioned um key sort of shift for us is again development of competence of our team uh, that's a key cornerstone plan for global um, we're only as good as our people and I think competence for the, the whole industry is at the forefront of the changes that the government are bringing in over the next sort of 12 months, 24 months. So we want to be at the forefront of that and we've sort of backed that up with major investment in training and skill set development, not just on the global technical services side where we've got level five in fire engineering as a minimum sort of qualification for our guys. Um, but also on the contracting side. So we've um, brought in heavily to um, career development and enhancement of skill sets to enable our guys to do their jobs um, to a high level and to a high quality. The other key thing is quality and um, how we develop systems and processes 
And interestingly for us, it's how do we make uh, a, fire, a fire business, a fire contracting, fire engineering business, how do we, do we digitise that process? So we've partnered with um, Plan Radar to do that. And we've also introduced some new scanning technology and other software to enable the digitisation of, um, of what we do. So, you know, in this last 12 months, you've been back out on the, uh, the speaking circuit in the fire sector, which I know is something that, that you enjoy doing. And one of the topics you talked about has been Golden Thread, and, and you also talked about Ceasefire Door. Can you tell us a bit more about it on the podcast now, for those that haven't heard you talk on this topic? Yeah, so during, during the lockdown and um, during those sort of, I would say quieter months, but they weren't that quiet actually, but um, we had a, a bit of a lull in um, the process as far as the certification was concerned on our ceasefire door and our relationship with Wing County obviously delayed the launch of that door and the fire testing that we were doing at the time. And, and at that time, I was looking at the golden thread in relation to gateways and our fire scrutineer role. It seemed obvious to me that if we were manufacturing a door set, which we had done prior to um, Grenfell, that we would want to track that manufacturing process from the testing of that door all the way through to the installation and then subsequently to the inspection and maintenance. And again, we partnered with uh, Plan Radar and we were aware of Q, obviously QR codes is the trend at the moment, but we wanted to move beyond that really and have an NFC tracking capability on the door set that tracked that door from the moment we started the manufacturing process all the way through to installation and then subsequent maintenance. So that took us a couple of years really to get that um, methodology right. Um, we've basically, we now insert, um, it's a, it's a it's an NFC tree plug that's inserted into the, um, into the core of the door. That's included in the testing at Warrington at the time. Um, and that enables us to provide the client with access to all the relevant test data for the door set, all the manufacturing specifications for each individual component that goes onto that door. It enables us to load video and voice notes for that particular door set and take photographs, obviously. So at the manufacturing stage, we video the door closing at 45 degrees and 15 degrees. We photograph it when it's packaged up. When we get to site, if we're installing the door, we would install the door under the BM Charter Q-Mark scheme. So it continues that uh, BM Trada Association and that Golden Thread approach. Um, if we're installing the door, though, it enables us to capture, again, either on photo or video, the door being installed, the, the aperture openings, all the relevant fixing points. It enables us to show the door being sealed at the frame and um, frame to aperture opening. It enables us then to demonstrate a quality checking line with the BM Trada QMOT scheme, but also for the, the resident or the tenant to sign off on that installation live. That information is then live subsequently when we go back to inspect that door 12 months later. Um, the pin is uh, placed between the two hinges at high level. Uh, so it's not... Um, the other idea with the NSC tracker is that we haven't got a label that can be pulled off. The pin is inside the door. It's given off a, a signal. We place our device next to the hinge and it picks up that uh, record and links us back to that data instantly. So um, it also means that we can update then the inspection on... Again, if we're doing inspecting on the BM Charter QMART scheme, we would inspect that door against its, um, the inspection requirement of that scheme. If we need to do any ARTs, then that would also be logged and recorded. And again, we can do either voice notes, video, or photographs to do that. So to my mind, it gives us a true golden thread representation on a product, um, which I think was far easier to demonstrate than actually on a process where we're looking at something that's more complex like gateways in relation to larger projects and also the fire scrutiny and all in relation to the baby stages but we're working on that at the moment 
that will be live um, next year also. The next question I wanted to ask you could be quite a difficult one for you to answer. I mean, the growth of, of your business and your group has been phenomenal in the last years, particularly obviously in, in, in recent years and months. It, it's really, really grown since when we first met each other. So what I wanted to ask you was, what's your proudest achievement since you've uh, been at Global? There's actually several. I mean, people talk about Global as so it's a, you know, a new business or whatever, but actually it's not a new business. Um, the business was formed in '99. Originally, uh, Global Fire Systems. Um, I joined the business around about 2003-04, um, although I'd been working with Global since its, in, since its inception. Um, so it's grown steadily. We've just had different, um, I suppose, products and sectors that we've grown in at different rates. And um, the fire alarm division grew rapidly during the 2000s, the early 2000s, to be a major player in the market. Um, the technical side of our business grew quite rapidly up until the first recession in about 2010-11. Uh, obviously, we've had a bit of a lull, but we've only, I think we were trying to, we were probably too ahead of our time. We were trying to implement um, fire strategies and fire engineering works and passive fire protection when the market wasn't really open to those ideas. Uh, those issues were there, and we, I was talking about them quite vividly at the time, back, back in 2000, sort of five, six, seven, eight, but um, nobody was listening. So I think the, obviously, unfortunately, post-Grenfell, that market is now reacted to the changes that's required. Um, I would argue not strongly enough, but um, at least we're on the right track now. As far as our proudest achievements are concerned, I mean, obviously the growth of the business is, you know, a big success and we're very proud of it across all three divisions. Um, but also it's about the success of our people. We're very proud about the fact that, you know, some people come through this business and they'll move on to other things and they'll end up working for third-party accreditation bodies or they end up starting their own businesses or they end up becoming major players within um, other businesses. You know, that's actually quite an achievement because a lot of those people have been brought into this business uh, without any real depth or experience. We've developed them, we've trained them, we've helped them and we've helped them to create their, you know, and develop their careers. So that's something that I think that we are, we are quite proud of. You know, global influencers, you know, go beyond this business, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of the things we talk about at my company uh, as well. I mean, it's always sad to lose people, so they could members of staff. But actually, sometimes it's a good news story. If you bring somebody in that has not experience and you can grow them through your business and they go on to, um, to different things, that quite often in, in SMEs and growing companies, people don't always look at the positives, Andrew, people moving on to, to new roles. And, and it's interesting that you listed that as, as something you're proud of. Because it's something that I'm proud of here. You never want to see people move on, but sometimes they get as far as they can go in a business and you've grown them and the next step is is outwards. And I think, you know, using a football analogy, you know, I'm an Oxford United fan. You know, if we sell a player to Man United, um, you know, you're lauded for that. But sometimes when you're running a running a business, people go, oh, you know, so-and-so's moved on. But actually, I, like you, am pretty proud when people progress and move on. And, and investing in people, I know, is something that, that you're obviously clearly proud of. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, it is something we're proud of, and the, the, the fundamental issue is that the industry, and you know, we're passionate about fire safety. We want that fire safety message to be spread throughout the UK. We're first and foremost fire engineers and fire, fire safety specialists. Before we do any contracting or manufacturing any door, that is the, the forefront of what we do. And if we can spread those skills and those competences throughout the construction industry and the, um, the built environment in the UK, then that's a good thing, surely. So that's something that we're proud of. Um, obviously, we're proud to win the various awards that we've won from different trade bodies like the ASFP. Um, you know, and that's a, you know, it's good to be recognised in the industry. But um, 
overall, we're proud about the fact that we've developed people and also that we try and innovate. We try and be at the forefront of um, and ahead of the technology that we believe is required moving forward to um, instigate the government changes and the changes that are more broadly needed within fire safety anyway. So I think for us, a big thrust during 2023 will be digitization and how we can um, create that golden thread with in relation to new builds and um and refit projects that we're working on at the moment and how we can simplify that process. Well, I think what we've learned to this podcast, I think I already knew, there is a lot of advice and services that you and your organisation and, and all parts of the group can can give to any of our listeners. But if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about the, the various parts of Global, what's the easiest way to do? So there's a website to go to, you on LinkedIn. What's the best way to get in touch? Well, there's all those things available. Obviously, we have a professional marketing team now and we're developing our online presence and the digitization of what we do um so our website's obviously globalhcgroup.com or globaltechnicalservices.co.uk alternatively contact me directly on linkedin we have quite a, a a large profile i suppose with myself and with global technical services and global hc solutions on linkedin um and we develop quite a bit, bit of business from that so I mean, it's great to be involved in um, the trade shows, but ultimately we see that that's just a platform for launching our digital presence, I think, moving forward. Well, thank you for filling and everything you got going on. I know there's a lot planned for the rest of the year and, and beyond, so congratulations on the growth and thanks for joining us. Thanks for your time, Mark, and it's good to talk to you. Returning to the news now, and buildings will be made safer under new government proposals which include mandating second staircases for new tower blocks and sprinkler systems for new care homes. This move from the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities is described as the latest step in updating the statutory guidance underpinning the building regulations for new buildings to ensure the safety of those living and working within. The proposals include imposing rules on staircases such that new tower blocks over 30 metres in height would need to contain more than one staircase. The Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities is also looking at mandating sprinkler systems in all new care homes, regardless of the height of the structure, in order to improve the safety of vulnerable residents and also assist firefighters with evacuation procedures. Lee Rowley, the Minister for Local Government and Building Safety, has commented, Undoubtedly, there are lessons still to be learned from the Grenfell Tower tragedy and the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities is fully committed to working with the sector and residents alike to explore what more needs to be done to make new homes across the country much safer. This consultation process is the next step in the department's work to improve the building regulations and make sure they are as clear and effective as possible. Other measures being considered as part of the consultation include removing references to the national classifications, i.e. BS 476, from approved document B. In essence, this means the dual system currently in place would end and construction product manufacturers would then be required to test their products to the British standard version of the European standards. The government will also be undertaking a call for evidence on revisions to approved document B, covering materials and products used in external walls. In practice, the call for evidence will seek views from industry on what materials should be covered and how best to improve the clarity of the guidance provided in these paragraphs. Since the Grenfell Tower fire, Mark, the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities has undertaken the task of updating and improving fire safety guidance to prevent such a tragedy from ever happening again. The Department has already made several significant changes to building regulations, in fact, and also its guidance. 
Since 2017, the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities has in fact implemented a ban on potentially combustible materials for residential buildings, hospitals and student accommodation above 18 metres in height, and also provided new guidance for residential buildings between 11 metres and 18 metres tall. It's also banned the use of metal composite materials of the type used on Grenfell Tower and all buildings. It's undertaken a large programme of work to clarify the guidance. It's also lowered the threshold for the provisions of sprinkler systems in new blocks of flats from 30 metres plus to 11 metres plus. Further to this, the government has made provisions for wayfinding signings for firefighters in new blocks of flats at more than 11 metres in height. It's also made provisions for evacuation alert systems in new residential buildings over 18 metres in height. And the Department of Leveling Up Housing Communities will consult on the plans over the next 12 weeks. What are your thoughts on this major story, Mark? Well, one of the things that came out during Grenfell is... I think most people listening to this are aware that outside of the United Kingdom, Europe, for example, and America, are just generally surprised to see that most of our high-rise buildings have single staircases, which was certainly the case in, in Grenfell. And, you know, for those that are not necessarily following this, is it gives you more than one escape route. I know I'm being pretty literal and obvious here. Having more than one staircase in a premises over a certain height, and you mentioned care homes here, you talked about buildings over 30 metres tall. If one area, one staircase is full of smoke, then hopefully there is another one that you can use that is safer to evacuate. And Or you could have a situation due to fire or a major incident where... One staircase is blocked. And when you only have one staircase, there's no way out at that point. So a lot of people outside of the United Kingdom see this as just a common sense thing and are genuinely surprised that our country doesn't mandate more than one staircase in there. So, you know, it became particularly relevant uh, post-Grenfell. And in my opinion, for for new builds of, of taller buildings, you know, we risk serious incidents being absolute tragedies unless there are more than one staircase and you know we actually I think what I've got some more to add to this story but but I would say that we've also done webinars at FSM on evacuation policies and stuff like that which is quite relevant when I'm talking about evacuation here so if you go to our website fsmatters.com click on the webinars tab there's two separate ones there's understanding peeps and your legal duty and there's a fire safety brief are you in or are you out there's also another one from ctech on to stay put or not to stay put and i haven't got time to talk about stay put policies right now but all relevant to what we're saying but in relation to this article there is a bit more i'd like to add and i'd encourage anyone that wants to read more on this story to go to fsmatters.com use our search box and just type in the search box there government proposes dual staircases and you'll find this article but a bit more on this in parallel the leveling up and housing and communities committee in parliament has announced that it will undertaking follow-up work on building safety in the new year which is now the committee has invited lee rowley to attend an evidence session in early 2023 the date is to be confirmed to be honest it's likely to examine perceived gaps in the Building Safety Act and ongoing issues relating to building safety and remediation, including the liability of professional freeholders, the voluntary developer pledge and a fund for buildings of 11 to 18 metres in height. The committee is also likely to explore questions around funding for non-cladding related building safety works. So Clive Betts, who's the chair of Leveling Up Housing Communities Committee, said building safety and the remediation of historic defects has been a major area of scrutiny for the committee since the Grenfell Tower fire. 
There are still concerns over gaps in the government's Building Safety Act and questions over the funding of building safety works, which the committee will want to revisit at our evidence session in the early part of the new year. As we reported at the time on the Fire Safety Matters website, the National Fire Chiefs Council called on the government to make such a move in mid-December. Gavin Tomlinson, who's the chair of the Protection and Business Safety Scrutiny Committee at NFCC, said, In the event of fire, a correctly designed second staircase removes the risk of single point of failure, in turn buying critical time for firefighting activities and providing residents with multiple escape routes, something that I literally covered earlier um, before I went into this. Evacuation may not always be necessary. It is often safe for residents to stay put. <laughs> That's the link to the stay put webinar I mentioned earlier. In the event of a fire. However, incident recording systems data on mass evacuation shows that from the 1st of April 2019 to the 31st of March last year, the London Fire Brigade reported 154 instances of where 10 or more people evacuated from a block of flats of at least six storeys. This means nearly 8,500 residents chose to evacuate buildings rather than stay put, either before, during or after the fire and rescue service arrived on scene. And as I said, this is a lengthy topic to stay put or not to stay put. I've, I've heard very differing arguments on what you should do and of course we do have a stay put policy as, as currently stands i've hosted seminars on this but i would urge you to go back to the webinars i said to stay put or not to stay put and the other two webinars cover it as well so moving on to our next news story brian it's something um that we're talking about education here we've mentioned webinars and cpd fire safety matters has um proud to partner with carrier and Carrier are actually doing roadshows um, in the first two, three months of 2023. CPD roadshows, which us as media partner, we're CPD accrediting them. Completely free for you to go. And they are in multiple places all over the country. So the point of these sessions is to provide updates on relevant industry and fire safety information, as well as deliver sessions focused on technology and innovation. So taking place across the UK, these events are an opportunity for you to meet the local fire team from Carrier and for Carrier to meet you. So as I said, Fire Safety Matters is supporting them. So you'll get to see our team there. I think I'm planning to go to the Dublin one. I know, Brian, you're planning to go to the Scotland one. And uh, Leanne's planning to go to a couple as well. But the audience is going to be a mixture of end users, consultants, and specifiers. And you'll have a chance to see the latest Carrier solutions in a number of relaxed uh, locations. You'll also hear from third party contributors and there'll be updates on relevant industry and fire safety information as well as technology and innovative sessions. So we've done a number of webinars with Ray Puttock from Carrier and the sessions always get great feedback. This is a chance for you to go in person, have some free lunch, some networking and get some CPD. So I'd encourage you to go. The first session takes place on the 31st of January, 2023. Um, in Falkirk in Scotland. The second one takes place on the 2nd of February 2023 at the British Motor Museum in Gaydon in Warwickshire, not far from where I live at all, only about 10 miles up the road. Then the next session is on the 1st of March 2023 at Brands Hatch, Forkham in Kent. And then the final one is on the 7th of March 2023 at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin. So all sessions start at 9am with the actual educational session starting at 10 so arrive for nine start at 10 you'll have lunch plenty of time to network and it'll finish at approximately two o'clock but there is limited space it is free for you to register so i would encourage you to go to our website 
fsmatters.com and in the search box type carrier announces cpd roadshows or carrier roadshows will bring it up you'll see this article and then there is a dedicated link that they or you can go to any of our social media channels linkedin for sure has uh, got links to where you can register for free but bizarre for the up fast please do register and we look forward to meeting you there brian i know you're looking forward to going to the one in four kirk aren't you yes indeed mike we will be in attendance at the first carrier road show which, as you reference, takes place at the end of this month. The date for your diary is the 31st of January, and the venue is the Inchira Hotel on the Grange Road in Falkirk. To reiterate, arrivals are from 9am, with the introductions and presentations taking place from 10am onwards. Now, we're a huge supporter of CPD here at Fire Safety Matters, Mark, and we're very grateful for our ongoing arrangement with the Institute of Fire Safety Managers when it comes to certifying our content for CPD purposes. In essence, of course, CPD affords practitioners more knowledge and skills related to their job and their role. For the employer, they can have confidence in the ability of those members of staff undertaking CPD to carry out their role both effectively and efficiently. Now, importantly, Mark, those engaged in continual CPD will be set up with information about the regulations and standards they need to know and use in relation to the fire safety industry. So it's very important. Now, focusing on carrier, and again, as you mentioned, Mark, We've run some excellent webinars with the company in recent times that offer CPD points for our viewers. On the 24th of November last year, in fact, we reviewed fire safety measures in complex buildings. On the 16th of March last year, we looked at wireless fire detection systems. Both sessions were expertly presented by Ray Puttick. If you didn't manage to catch those sessions first time around, then don't worry. Access the Fire Safety Matters website at www.fsmatters.com and simply click on the webinars tab. You'll then be able to register for these sessions on demand and both of them qualify for CPD. Well, I mean, it kills me for us to be nice about Ray Puttick, a guy I've been friends with for about <laughs> nearly 10 years now. But uh... I know Ray will hear this, but he is very, very good at these sessions. And as I said, it pains me to say it. So do pop along to to his road shows. And as Brian said, do go back and listen to the webinars on demand. Now, I just want to finish off the podcast episode this time. But just a reminder and really an appeal to all of you listening. As you will know, the Fire and Security Matters Awards are now open for entries. We do this in partnership with the Fire Industry Association. We've got so many other supporting industries and associations as well. But this is our way of really celebrating excellence. And I would ask you all, please, please do enter these awards. We had over 220 entries last time. We had 450 odd people come to the awards do itself. But we want to make it bigger and better. The jobs that you do keep people safe and property safe. They are life critical. They are vital, the jobs that you do, and it deserves celebrating. It only takes literally a few minutes to enter. It's a perfect way to get yourself, a colleague, a team, a client, a product, a project, a campaign recognised by your peers, not by Brian or I, but by independent judges from uh, associations like the FIA, Institute of Fire Safety Managers, these kind of they're the judges not not us we we don't pick this and we've got a number of categories as i said only takes a couple of moments to enter just throw into the search engine the fire and security matters awards or go to firesecurityawards.com and the fire categories we've got fire safety manager of the year sponsored by ncab group we've got fire safety installation company of the year so for all the installation companies please do and uh, to that one, that's sponsored by Apollo Fire Detectors. We've got Fire Safety Manager of the Year. That'll be many of you listening, or certainly someone you know, sponsored by TO Fire Safety. 
We've got Fire Safety Team of the Year, sponsored by EMS and, and Carrier. And again, plenty of you listening to that. Fire Safety Project of the Year, really, really strong category last year. Please, please do enter that one. Then we've got Fire Safety Innovation of the Year. That could be a product or a solution or a service, either active or passive products or services or technology. Do enter that one. Then we've got Fire Safety Campaign of the Year which is actually a new category, which is sponsored by Uptick. We've got a very new category here as well, the Fire Industry Woman of the Year, because we are very, very driven to recognise equality and and inclusion in the sector. So if you do know anyone that works in the fire sector that's a, a woman, please do enter them into that category. And then the category you can't enter that we announce on the night is the Lifetime Achievement Award. You've got until the 31st of March. It costs you nothing. If you get shortlisted, it's great PR. And it's and I can tell you because I know how, how Brian felt when FSM has been shortlisted for awards ourselves. And actually, you know, luckily we won one as we did in, in December. The feeling is is tremendous. Just getting on the shortlist makes you feel so proud and the motivation for your team and the enhancement for your brand. It really recognises what you guys do is a critical job and deserves celebrating. So please go to firesecurityawards.com. Or put into a search engine, Fire and Security Matters Awards. I know this is something that you feel passionate about too, isn't it, Brian? Yes, absolutely, Mark. I've worked in industry awards for 32 years now. Not that I'm counting you, of course. I used to work on some major awards. And this one is equally major, the new one that we've started now. And last year was a tremendous event. We're a first-year event with so many guests and so many great uh, winners. It was fantastic. So I would urge people to enter this year on both the fire and security categories. Well, the fact that you've been in the industry 32 years, which is double length of time I have, and I look older than you, uh, but in my defence, I have got very energetic twin 11-year-olds. So, uh, you know, I I can't believe that you've been in the sector really 32 years between the fire and security sectors. Unbelievable, Brian. 32 years straight through, Mark, yes. Only three employers in that time and I think about four magazines. So I do tend to stick with things once I get onto them. That's true. That is very true. You do. And I'm very lucky that you do stick with them. Of course, you know, for many people don't know in the background for Brian. We worked together back in the day in a different organisation. Brian was on a security title and I was on a health and safety title. Um, Sadly, you know, neither of them in place anymore. And um, but what I would say is when, when Brian came in, we both felt passionate that we should do a fire and security awards. And for us, one of the, the biggest senses of pride that we've had is seeing over 220 entries last year. You know, it was great to see 450 people in the room. Absolutely. But we feel passionate at Fire Safety Matters and Security Matters magazine, which Brian, of course, is the editor of too, that we want to recognise the great jobs that you do of keeping people and property safe. So... Please don't hesitate. Please do enter. Please go to firesecurityawards.com or put in a search engine Fire Security Matters Awards and, you know, enter as many times as you would like to. So that's it from me. It's just over to Brian now to uh, wrap up this episode. That brings us to the end of this latest edition of the Fire Safety Matters podcast. Many thanks indeed to Andrew Cooper of Global HSE Solutions for serving as our guest on this episode. You can read more on the issues raised in this edition of the podcast and others by visiting the Fire Safety Matters website. The web address you need to access is www.fsmatters.com. We do hope you've enjoyed the content delivered in the podcast and found it informative. Please do contact us if there are any particular themes or issues you would like us to explore on upcoming editions. You can do so on Twitter by using the hashtag FSMPodcast. On that note, do make sure you follow us on Twitter at FSMatters underscore MA and also access our LinkedIn page at Fire Safety Matters magazine and website. Please do 
do like and share the content of our regular podcast and spread the word among your industry colleagues. You can listen to the Fire Safety Matters podcast for free on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube or Podbean. All you need to do is enter the term Fire Safety Matters into your chosen platform search box. We'll see you next time.